we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. In the pedestrian crash analysis by the city of Denver, the report indicated most motor vehicle pedestrian crashes occurred during winter, with January having the highest number. Most occur on Fridays, with 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. being the time of day when they tend to happen. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Although adults ages 25 to 34 are the most prevalent to be involved in auto-pedestrian crashes, persons age 55 to 64 had the highest injury rates. The most fatalities occurred from vehicles traveling 45 miles an hour plus, with SUVs and pickup trucks having the highest injury rates. Distracted driving, aggressive driving, and driving under the influence are cited as driver-contributing factors. 97% of the reports list no contributing factors for pedestrians, although pedestrians crossing against the signal, crossing in mid-block, or playing in the streets have also led to vehicle pedestrian crashes as well. At the end of the day, with motor vehicle pedestrian crashes, the vehicle always wins. To become better, more aware, and smarter pedestrians, we continue our conversation with Lieutenant Mike Rock and Sergeant Robert Farr of the Denver Police Department's Traffic Investigations Unit. If you pull up to an intersection, uh, especially a major one that has painted crosswalks or painted lines, mm-hmm. it's important to stop before you cross that walk and the line. That's where you begin examining as a driver, do I have pedestrians on approach? And there are many uh, roadways and, and sidewalks in Denver that are designated bike paths as well, yeah. which means somebody's going to be approaching. If they're in the bike path, they're permitted to ride their bicycle across the street in that crosswalk, and they're going to be moving a lot faster than a pedestrian. Oh, we won't talk about bicyclists yet. Oh, those guys. So, But today we want the motorists to know when you pull up to that intersection, stop at the limit line, that large white line that's painted uh-huh. on the roadway. That's uh, asking you to stop there to permit pedestrians to enter the road safely. And before you make that right turn on red, bring it to a stop. Look for the pedestrians both directions. And as you're making that turn, keep looking both ways. And if they follow exactly what the driving book says about right turn on red after a full stop, that gives them the opportunity to do exactly that. It does. And you and the pedestrian can make eye contact and uh, know that uh, it's okay for me to cross safely or the pedestrian can wave you through Mm -hmm. and, and say, I'll wait till you're uh, down the road and I'll cross behind you. I know you're from DPD, but for those drivers who drive in Aurora, you talk about that big crossbar. That's the one that the lights flash and get your license number if you get too close to. That's right. So, we, you know, you know what that bar is. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what that bar is. And so you have to pay attention to that because sometimes when you get out of your car, then you become a pedestrian. That's right. When you go into sporting events and that kind of thing. And so you got to be smart there as well. Exactly. Well, and that's where we've seen that uh, one of our highest uh, locations of pedestrian collision occurrences is at DIA, where everybody's getting out of their car. I'm thinking, wait a minute, how could that happen at DIA? You you, you can't drive past 15 miles an hour up there. You can't, but you can still wind up hitting somebody, and that that happens a lot. And people are busy trying, Uh rushing to get their flight, and other folks are driving around the construction, and they're trying to pick up passengers. And so it it tends to uh, be an environment that's just – uh, ripe for these types of collisions to occur. And there, we, we haven't had uh, a lot of serious injury accidents out at DIA, but yeah. there are a large number of minor injury accidents. So when you're going out to DIA then, you're not only trying to figure out and see where that person is you're going to pick up on level five or wherever it is, uh, you've got to pay attention to those people in those crosswalks. Absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah, when you have a designated crosswalk, I mean, the state law says that the pedestrian has the right of way when they enter that crosswalk, unless it is at an intersection and there are pedestrian control signals that are telling the pedestrians what to do. Yeah. Very different in an environment like DIA where that painted crosswalk, that's basically a stop sign for a car when a person's in that. Now, okay. Now, is there some confusion we have in the state here? Because if you – in Boulder, for example, I don't know if we have this, these types of crosswalks in Denver – but when a pedestrian gets close and starts to enter that crosswalk, the lights start to flash, and and it's I think the law is you have to stop no matter if they're if you're in the opposite side of the lane and they haven't even gotten there yet, right? And they and, have, and, and, uh, and so people think that the same thing happens. When there's you a don't have those limited lights. number of those in Denver, but uh, yeah. they don't simply activate when a pedestrian is near. A pedestrian okay. has to push a button to activate them. So even if the uh, pedestrian does that, they need to pause and wait. Just because the light's flashing is not going to bring that car to a stop. It's applying the brakes. The driver applying the brakes is what brings that car to a stop. Yeah. So the lights help in identifying a hazard. The mm-hmm. hazard is a pedestrian entering the roadway. Pedestrian, don't believe you get to enter the roadway simply because the lights are flashing. Pedestrian, don't believe you get to cross the street uh, uh, simply because the uh, signal, the, the uh, man walking signal or woman walking, uh, uh, don't just simply emerge into the traffic because that light says you can take control of your safety, take control of your walking environment, make sure it's safe to, uh, to enter. Now we don't have very many of those lights in Denver. I understand that, uh, they're on the increase traffic engineering makes the decision as to whether they're going to go in Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, both has got them and I know Parker has them on main street. Watch for the cars. If it's an actu- if it actuates merely because a pedestrian is sensed, uh, be very, very careful, pedestrian. Don't assume merely because the light went on. The light saw you there, did the driver. Yeah, but they also cannot assume because they're at a crosswalk which doesn't have those lights but because they step out in the street. The cars are going to react and stop and do that. Exactly. Again, just take control of your own safety. Take control of your walking environment. No, you're not from traffic operations, but they help um, – help mitigate some of these collisions should traffic think of doing some downtown style um, crosswalks where all the traffic is made to stop while the pedestrians cross the street and then let them go well and that certainly is a uh, uh, conversation i would think that you would want to have with our traffic engineers yeah but what i can tell you having worked around them and the process that they have to go through as we talked about we're a multi a multimodal uh, city, uh-huh. and as such, we still need to be able to provide for ve- vehicles to travel in and out of the city and county of Denver uh, safely and as f- efficiently as possible because we probably increase a half a million or more people a day in Denver just because of the folks that work down there, yeah. that work downtown, and majority of them are driving in. If you were to do something like that on every single intersection – Mm-hmm. you would create absolute gridlock uh, for for traffic traveling e- everywhere. Really? And so what the traffic engineers look at is they look at the speed of the roadway as it's approaching an intersection. Yeah. They look at the sight distance, and they, they have a formula that they calculate to determine how long a yellow light should be, how long the red light should be. They test how long it takes someone to get across a roadway, um, and, and they adjust those accordingly, and they try to find what what is uh, known as a 
Pareto optimal solution <laughs> for both vehicle traffic. That sounds like a very <laughs> clinical, very scientific way of saying how long will driver's patience hold out? While yeah, I exactly. And that's the other side of it. Um, I think you're expected downtown to give the pedestrians that, all right, you get to cross uh, always. It's on you now. Now you stop and traffic gets to go the two different directions. Works well on one-way streets, then intersect with another one-way street. Yeah. Now let's take that out to two-way streets. Let's take it out to Colorado Boulevard, uh, Federal Boulevard, more major thoroughfares. Yeah. Now we're going to be backing vehicles up longer at those lights. And, and as you just pointed out, will the patients run out to the point where it now becomes even more dangerous for the pedestrians because I've gone through so many light cycles to get here. That's it. My patience is gone. I'm not waiting for you anymore. Right. The they're going to try to run through some of them just to keep on their schedule. That's it. If we increase the aggression of the drivers, well, then we've gained nothing. And yeah. If anything, we've regressed. Have you found that some of these auto-pedestrian collisions happen more on one type of road than another? Certainly with our more complex intersections like uh, Broadway and Colfax, uh, where you have five lanes one direction and then you have two lanes going in uh, cross directions – um, those are the intersections that we tend to see higher amounts of uh, pedestrian collisions. You, know, you would think with the number of pedestrians around the 16th Street Mall that that would s- somehow be a problem, but it's really yeah. not. And part mm-hmm. of it is is people are expecting to see pedestrians there. When we talk about pedestrian collisions, we always have two terms that we talk about. Yeah. It's conspicuity. How conspicuous are you against the background that you're walking against? And then expectancy. How much – does a driver expect to see you there? We had a uh, auto pedestrian collision on I-25 right at Santa Fe. Well, nobody expects pedestrians to be on a highway that is restricted access for pedestrian use. Oh yeah. And so you understand how those collisions happen and so that those are issues that come in for each type of roadway that we're looking at, but when you are lo- faced with crossing a, a large intersection like Broadway, you really have to pay attention to the pedestrian signals and a lot of people don't know this. But when that hand is flashing and the numbers are counting down, that doesn't tell you how much time you have to cross the street. That tells you how much time you have to finish crossing. You are not allowed to begin crossing when that countdown is there. Oh, really? And we see that all the time. I thought that too. I've done that. I I will admit that. (laughs) But since we're not in your jurisdiction, I can admit that. (laughs) That I've seen it. Oh, 13 seconds. I can walk this. Right. But I'm really yeah. not allowed to enter the intersection no, once that countdown yeah. starts. That's truly a violation that if an officer uh, felt uh, was uh, creating hazard, could legally stop you and give you a citation for. Now, are we going to be seeing some citations sometimes for jaywalking in Denver County at any point? We have uh, worked with some grants, some some uh, uh, CDOT grants that yeah. have come with us. And it is a, uh, a component of that has been pedestrian enforcement. And we have uh, d- taken enforcement actions on pedestrians when they have created a significant hazard. Right. Um, generally, uh, we try to uh, take that as an opportunity for warning and, and education of the pedestrian if they're crossing the street and it's not creating a genuine hazard. Now, I will tell you that our unit, if we go out and we determine that you were seriously injured as a pedestrian crossing a roadway. However, it was you were the proximate cause of that accident. We will give you a ticket as well. Really? We will, yes. Okay. And and that's it, it comes down to determining 
who was primarily at fault in these collisions, and that's just the process that we have to go through when we're uh, investigating these serious collisions. So, yeah, pedestrian is not always in the right, and we, we see that quite a bit in the investigations that we do. I think what Sergeant Farr was saying when we got started, too, at the end of the day, the pedestrian usually loses these collisions. Here we have a term, uh, dead right. You can be crossing with the signal, but, uh, again, if you're not taking ownership of your own safety uh, and you get ran over, you end up dead right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the thinking behind so many people or the numbers of people who leave the scene of the collisions with a pedestrian? Are they just scared? Are they people who maybe don't have a valid driver's license, maybe driving under the influence? Well, for those that actually come in and and we as part of our uh, duties at uh, traffic investigations is the follow-up for the hit and runs. Uh-huh. And uh, I've asked the detectives that who have direct contact with the, the folks who come in uh, after being invited to come participate in the sure. investigation. And I asked them, uh, anecdotally, w- what are folks telling you? Do they admit to having been uh, drinking? And very, very small numbers of people actually admit to, well, I probably had too much to drink. But what they almost hear is what you just said is, I got scared. Whether it was uh, I panicked and didn't know what to do, or uh, I knew I was at fault and just uh, got scared. That tends to be the excuse that they hear most often. We do know that some folks do not have proper driver's license. Uh, We know that some folks believe or are actually wanted for other crimes or maybe other traffic crimes and flee because uh, they don't want to get arrested that night for their warrant. Some don't have insurance or other proper paperwork. But they do tell the detectives in great numbers, I got scared. Yeah. Made the bad decision, wrong decision, because I was scared. Now, do you Um, have to? Yes, go ahead. If I can add on to that. Yeah. uh, We generally tend to describe that as the fight or flight syndrome. Mm -hmm. And you've heard that before. Um, A lot of folks, when they get in a crash, they don't either know what to do. They don't know um, how they should do it, why they should do it, and when. And so they just uh, kind of freak out and they take off. Yeah. And we actually had an incident a few months ago where um, a husband and wife were driving down the road. She was involved in a crash. Uh, she leaves, and he's, he looks at her, and he says, what are you doing? we got to go back. And so then they circled back, and, and, and they were able to stay and help us figure out what happened in the crash. But yeah. um, it, it's just that, it's that split second that people uh, react, mm-hmm. and then they, they don't realize that uh, the mere fact that you leave a particularly a serious injury or fatal accident, you've committed a, a minimum of three, four violations, just and that. some of them are felonies. Yeah, just yeah. that fast. Just that fast. We do thank Lieutenant Michael Rock and Sergeant Robert Farr of the Denver Police Department's Traffic Investigations Unit for being our guests again on this edition to help us all gain a better handle to reduce the number of motor vehicle pedestrian crashes still occurring in the state. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.